backboard banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. We're the banters as ferocious as those Utah Jazz, man. Gotta go back-to-back weeks, bro. 10-3. and three. They just keep winning. It's actually insane. Like, nobody predicted. Maybe Matt was the only one who at least knew they were going to be good, but nobody Decent. predicted 10-3. and three. Nobody no. predicted top of the West. And, like, the question now is, can they keep it up? And a lot of people believe that they can do it. Well, I think, like, people believe it because it's not really unprecedented wins that they're getting. It it doesn't seem to be luck. It doesn't seem, you know, to be by chance for any reason besides the fact that, you know, Lori Markkinen has developed into a two-way star yeah. in front of our eyes. I mean, he was dominant at Euro basketball, but I didn't even see this coming for him in the NBA, man. Like, absolutely unreal. We're pretty happy to see it, you know, as as fans of just NBA basketball, you know, a few weeks ago, I think Matt and I were talking about how there's so much talent in this league, right? And teams just have to find their identity. Well, the Utah Jazz tapped into the fact that there's talent and it looks like they have figured out the right formula for success. I'm excited to see if they can keep going or if this is just, you know, just a slight taste before they plummet downhill. Like, it's going to be really weird to see where this team goes. Yeah, I, I think, like, for them to plummet, they're definitely going to have to sell off some ath- assets, man. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, they're they're a well-constructed roster, and those guys fit into the positional needs that they have. Sometimes, actually, like, as much as I like our positionalist basketball that we play and all of our 6'9 guys, sometimes I think to myself, it'd be really nice to just have another guard scorer. Or it'd be really nice to, you know, like... Like, we went out and got Coloco because we needed that big, right? It it does serve you well to have guys who can fit into certain roles. And Laurie's filling in that, like, score to a player role. Vanderbilt's been a defensive anchor and energy monster. Conley's got the scorer touch to him. Conley's the facilitator. They got Sexton coming off the bench. Kelly Olynyk's playing out of his mind. Like, yeah, it's just... It's just fun to see, man. It's really fun to see. Jazz fans are probably at the highest point. Like, they're super amped to think that they're coming in to watch arguably trash basketball, potentially. And now here they are with, you know, some legit fire under them, you know. It's just a bunch of guys that weren't thought they were going to get to where they were. And it seems that the opportunity that the Jazz has allowed these players has enabled all of them to kind of maybe not hit their peaks, but step up all of their basketball games. And a 10-3 and record is pretty exciting to see from it. Yeah, and they've got all these first-round picks, man. And, you know, those Minnesota Timberwolves do not look to be doing well right now. So those could be high picks, too. True. Like, like they don't even need to to potentially tank for Wembenyan if the if the Minnesota Timberwolves do it for them, you know. It's, right, that's the thing. You get the free pick off of them, and now they did get two free easy years. wins off of the Lakers as well, you know. So there's a couple of f- freebies here and there, but no, as you were saying, they've beaten some legit teams. So we're excited to watch this Utah Jazz. But Matt, it's time we got to talk about takes because you know, just a few weeks ago, I had one of the most bold statements that Matt's ever seen. He thought to himself, you know, you started off strong. But then you added the Lakers at the end, and you were, there's no way this is coming through. And somehow, hallelujah, all three teams that were undefeated got their W's day after day, and the Lakers, (laughs) thank you, Lakers, you know, they have, what, two wins at this point? At least they got one for me. Oh, man, they are so bad. But they figured out, you know, getting Russell Westbrook off the bench. He actually looks like he's enjoying playing basketball again, which is 
I think the cherry on top for for me as a what, Russell Westbrook fan, like I loved him so much in OKC, as you know, and then to see this demise, and then to see like all of the team struggles get pinned on him. Meanwhile, like AD, I don't know where his offensive game went, but it's it's gone. <laughs> LeBron James, you know, he. I still think he's the greatest player of all time. The guy's not affecting winning in any capacity right now. He's taken off early. He just, he doesn't look, you know, invested at all. And, you know, I wouldn't be invested either if I was in year 20 and, you know, this was the team around me. So at the end of the day, I'm just happy to see Russ win it or, you know, playing well, winning, even though he's not man. winning. I mean, he did did get those two wins initially off the bench, right? But um, you can't be like sad. You can't be excited. Like this Lakers team is in such a weird place that you're kind of just like, eh, we're all just watching it unfold, right? And fans are hoping maybe there'll be a trade, but also like LeBron doesn't seem happy. AD can't seem to be playing. Maybe it's the trade AD and keep Westbrook off the bench train. Like things are wild in in LA. Well, that's the crazy thing is, man, is like that they're talking about trading Anthony Davis. And I think that that I know they won the championship and, you know, banners fly forever, as they always say. But the cost to get that championship, especially when they spent, you know, that decade with Kobe, like at the end of his career from like 2010 to about, you know, 2018, where they couldn't make the playoffs. They had all these, you know horrible seasons that's why they had lonzo ball it's why they had d'angelo russell it's why they had brandon ingram and then to give up all of those assets including you know letting julius randall walk in free agency because you couldn't pay him because he had lebron and all this stuff to get anthony davis and lebron together and then for us to be in you know 2023 you know next year and they've won one championship They've won five, four playoff series because they didn't even win any other playoff series. They didn't make the playoffs last yep. year. They're probably not making the playoffs this year. Like, now they're going to be bad for another decade with no draft picks. So even when they suck, they're not going to be able to pick high in the lottery. Like, yeah. And, what a and, garbage, garbage general manager well, and it, owner combination that they have right now. Sorry, Genie. So bad. And it's a hilarious situation because so many teams in this league who have zero championships, would absolutely trade all of the things that the Lakers gave up for their one chip. But this is Los Angeles. They have the second most number of championships next to Boston, or they're tied with Boston at this point, right? So when you make a decision for the Lakers, you're supposed to be doing it to be getting multiple championships. And you know when LeBron decided to come to LA, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were just like, well... He's getting a couple there. That's That was just the statement, right? All of the young assets they had, the ability to make it happen, the prime that he was in. Like, it's crazy that it's one championship. And it's the bubble championship that people love to scrutinize as well. Oh, man. I mean, you could do it with every other championship. Did Steph Curry ever really win a real championship? Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt in the first place. KD had to come in and save him for the next two. And then last year, they beat a Celtics team that probably shouldn't have been there if, if Milwaukee's fully healthy. Right. So does Steph Curry really have a championship? Like, get over this argument. It's so bad, man. A win is a win. A championship is a championship. And it's hard to do it any year because of the things that we talk about, because of injuries, because of player movement, because of just, you know, peaks and declines. So, yes, all of them count the same, man. And in fact, I think the bubble championship's harder 
You had a two-month layoff. You had to come back and then get into playoff basketball shape. And oh, the yeah. whole team, the whole league is rusty. Like, I think it's harder, to be honest. So, whatever. Nailed it right there. I'm 100% with Matt on that side of the NBA bubble. But, you know, we'll talk about the fact that OKC put the Clippers in a body bag for you. Nice, easy win. Now, the Clippers, you know, we can talk about them a little bit really quickly if you're interested. Because they seemingly are sticking around. I think they're like 7th or 8th on the table right now. They're doing good despite, you know, not having Kawhi, despite the other injuries. Like, it's it's wild in Clippertown. Well, I think that's the craziest part about where they are, right? Like, <laughs> again, Paul George is playing very well. He's keeping them above water. He's keeping them in that playoff mix. But Kawhi Leonard is the story of this team. Yeah, He is over 15 months removed from an ACL surgery that normally takes athletes about 8 to 12 months to recover from. He's missed five straight games for injury management. Um, that just sounds like it's an injury to me. It doesn't sound like injury management. It sounds like it's an injury if you're missing five straight games. Like That's got to be at least 10 plus days of, of not being able to, to play. Mm-hmm. Um, is he ever going to be fully healthy, healthy again? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that like my prediction for them being one of the top teams in the Western Conference is out the window because he's not going to play 40 games. He's. I think he's maybe going to get to 30 games this year. Maybe. By the way that it looks, and honestly, I was telling you this you know, last week, I think him leaving the Raptors was probably the best thing that ever happened for our franchise. Him coming, winning the championship, and then leaving that year. The whole process. Probably the best thing that ever happened to us. And... Um, you, you couldn't have convinced me of that when it happened. So, and, and this is also the chaos of the NBA. The the fact that we have to remember that this is these are real people, right? That we are just throwing around trying to create the right talent situation to win a championship. Yes, but it involves so many things, and the directions that things can go can be changed based on simple decisions, right? The Clippers threw money, money at Kawhi and at Paul George because on paper. They get you to a championship on paper when they're healthy and they have the talent. It happens, but as you know, as we've seen, the storyline doesn't always go the way that you write it. You know, there's always ways that things go off the paper. So Clippers are in right. trouble. Five first round picks and Shea Gilgis Alexander, like that is a deep price to pay for not even making it out of the second round. <laughs> like, yeah, geez, man, like. Like, if, if you want to flip the script... Come on. That's so bad. Like, and if you want to talk about so Brooklyn bad. now, if we're ready to move over there, because we're talking about this what-if, this should-have, could-have, right? Like, yes, Steve Nash has been fired. Yes, they're moving on. They're trying to figure it out and save this season. But, like, how can we not forget that two years ago, they were this close, you know, a, a, a Kevin Durant shoe size away from beating the Bucks without Kyrie, with a 25% James Harden, and they probably would have won a championship, yeah. right? And then Steve Nash is a rookie coach with a championship. We're in this whole different debacle. Maybe Kyrie isn't as crazy as it is. But, like, we live in the now. We live in the reality we live in. And, and Brooklyn, much like the Clippers, are in a very tedious situation right now. Man, are they in a tedious situation. They're in the worst situation. I think they're more of a tire fire than L.A. is. Because at least L.A., we know what the issue is. It's bad roster construction like yep. just pure and straightforward bad roster construction hmm lebron james has always been successful with shooters what do we do not add shooting that's that, done yes nailed it. it victory bravo 
Like, at <laughs> least, like, you know, Brooklyn, like, theoretically should have the pieces. Like, Ben Simmons should be your defensive anchor. Kyrie Irving's your, you know, heat up microwave score, can do it from anywhere, can just attack the paint at will. Kevin Durant, you know, again, one of the league's greatest scores of all time. And then you got a bunch of, like, you know, fillers. Nick Claxton's playing really well. Yep. Royce O'Neal. Like, they've got players. Seth Curry, you know, Joe Harris. But, wow, is just this a big explosion of, like, what the NBA is turning – has kind of always been a, a pampered league. Mm-hmm. You know, you pamper the superstars. And has this just showed that, like, when you pamper superstars, do they – you know, get these bratty mentalities? Are they just these ego-driven jerks, man? Because, like, Ben Simmons, man, you are making such good money to be averaging five, six, and six, bro. Bro, put me on the court. I'll average five, six, and six, okay? I will get some rebounds. I'll play pure hustle basketball. Are you kidding me out here? I'll do it for a freaking half the price. In the same number of minutes that Ben's getting, I got to put that out there. You know, we're not just talking about math things. Ben's getting opportunity. 30 minutes a game, bro. falling flat. So, yeah, I just had to add that in there. You put me on the court with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I will make a pass here and there, okay? (laughs) Come on! No, they the the Nets have a lot to figure out, and you know, bringing you know Jacques Vaughn in, maybe that will bring success. You know, uh, he was already there. Uh, yeah, you know, letting him actually take over, right? You know, we, we were joking about his win loss record, but we won't bring that up. You Fourth, know? <laughs> the worst coach in NBA history with two hundred plus games. Right at this point, yeah, so good. But at this point, Steve Nash is gone. You have to accept that. His tenure was good, great, bad. It doesn't matter to even talk about Awful. what his tenure was like. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't want to want to throw it out there, right? But now we have now we have to move forward, and you know, maybe maybe Jacques is going to have success, right? At least they didn't hire Ime because that rumor was absolutely insane. And if that had have gone through, this would have been the best conversation to talk about this team. But man, bro, we got we got a a player who doesn't want to be here. Our best player <laughs> doesn't want to be here. Wants the GM fired, even though the coach just got fired. Still wants the GM fired. We got a guy who probably shouldn't be playing in the NBA anymore, and Kyrie Irving. Like, I don't even want to get into it. It's, it just makes me so mad at his, like, just his profound disobedience. Like, he's just like, no, I'm not going to apologize. Like, oh, you guys want to go against me? Like, I'm just going to dig in harder. Like, that is such a bad character flaw. It makes me, like, just hate him so much. Like, him and Nick Friedle at the press conference, when he was just cutting Nick off and not letting him speak and and just with his hoodie on and just like, well, I'm not going to apologize. Like, I can do whatever I want. Like, you guys, I post on social media all the time. You guys are just going to notice this one. Like, man, like, you are such an arrogant little, like, jerk, man. Like, I just, oh, he should probably shouldn't be in the NBA. And then, like, to bring in Ime Udoka, the potential sex offender, like, okay, great. Like, that's man. what this team really needs right now. <laughs> I think, like, I love, first things first, you know, Kevin Wilds talks about how they're so far away from actually talking about basketball. Like, at least with the Lakers, we're like, okay, they need shooting. Maybe AD needs to be traded. Like, Russell Westbrook looks good on the bench. Like, we're talking about basketball things. Like, this is so far away from basketball. It is just a complete dumpster fire. I mean, with Kyrie, it's kind of on brand, though. Because, you know, if you want someone who's out of touch with reality, you've got a basketball star who believes in, you know, the flat earth theory. 
this is a gravity sport he's playing. Anyways, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in too far into that. But, but it's a gravity sport the way the ball bounces, it goes up and down. Okay, it goes in the hoop, it goes Dude, down. Dude, your shot, bro. <laughs> right, so <laughs> of, this team is out of touch with reality. Kyrie is out of touch. Something needs to happen in Brooklyn because they've traded their future away. And if they're in a situation in two, three years from now where they haven't been able to get back to where they were just a couple years ago, if if Kyrie's gone, if Durant's gone, and they have nothing, man, not a good look for Brooklyn at all. Dude, they're doing the whole um, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, burn it to the ground, rebuild again, which is crazy because they actually, like, I'm pretty sure they played us with D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs. Like, they gave us some problems, man. Like, they were a team. Like, they were a squad. D'Angelo Russell's coming off that all-star appearance. They think they're, like, you know, building towards something. And then they're like, oh, we got a chance. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, burn it to the ground. Burn it. Right? It's, and that's, but that's the way of the NBA, right? You either, you have, you have two forms of, of really playing it, right? You build through the draft, you tank, you work through your assets and try to create a team. Or you do the same kind of starting point, but then you go, that guy, I want him. Let's, here you go. Here's all these assets. That guy, I want him. Here's all these assets. And it can work. LeBron proved that if you're a superstar, you can go to places with other key players, star players, and win championships. And that's kind of the juice that the NBA has been dealing with for the past 10 years. But, you know, you look at the Grizzlies, you look at the Raptors, you look at this jazz team of, 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 you know, forgotten names, right? Like there are other ways to do it. And I hope that certain GMs and teams, well, you know, teams in the West, because I don't need the East to get any better. I hope teams in the West are looking at this and can learn some valuable lessons of, you know, there's better ways to build teams than just paying somebody $45 million and expecting them to put up 30 points a night. Absolutely, man. I mean, like, like Laurie, like Colin, those guys are, are both top 10 picks that have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. And again, like, I'm a big believer in about this in sports that it's not necessarily just about your talent. It's also about the situation around you because sometimes you're being misused, you're being miscast. And when a coach can unlock you, it's why guys, you know, go from out of the league to stars. It's because the coach find the right coach finds them, develops their key skills to actually keep them in the game and they develop on that. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's what's going on with Lori. And that's what's going on with the Utah Jazz, and I, I couldn't be happier, man, that the NBA is kind of, you know, leaning into that. And then you've got, like, Golden State, on the other hand, as well, who I think they should be in full panic mode. Because Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga have not played any better than they did last year. Mm-hmm. James Wiseman looks worse than he did as a rookie. It's he bad. hasn't given you five good minutes of NBA basketball. Steph Curry is... Bring the squad on his back, and Draymond and Clay look old, man. They look super old. They look like you know. I and I understand Clay's had the injuries, so like I don't want to get too aggressive with him. You know, yeah. clap back at Charles Barkley and stuff. Not the same guy. Like I get him, man. Like it's been two years of of some pretty catastrophic injuries, but you just don't look like the Clay Thompson that won those championships. And if you're not the Clay Thompson that won those championships, we can't count the Warriors as a as a contender and I'm man they're so lucky they won that one last year because I don't think they're going to be in the mix for a while man every time I read an article talking about how how great Steph Curry is doing how amazing his shooting is his shooting's back I'm like guys look at their record like yes these are these are just you know pieces that are put in front of us so we don't actually look at what's actually going on in Golden State because I don't think I'm with you in the terms of panic because you know I still do love Wiggins and I think that Considering the right situations and the aggressive moves that 
Sorry, Draymond, get out of here. There are some things that need to be done for Golden State, but yes, they're getting pretty close to panic mode considering where they are. I, I get that, man, but like, what kind of value are you going to get for Draymond Green at this point? Like, He's, one, looking for a massive contract in the yeah. offseason, and two, he's not even close to the type of player that you know he once was or, or has been able to even get close to the contract potential that he wants. And then, again, with Clay, like, you're not going to get much value out of him. So you've got Steph Curry and you've got Andrew Wiggins. And as much as we like both those guys, that's it's not a great point to start mm-hmm. with. I mean, Poole hasn't taken a step at all. You know, people thought he was going to take that Steph Curry trajectory, and he doesn't seem to have done that just yet. But, like, at that point, man, like, they don't have much else going on on the roster besides Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins, and it's not enough. It's no. not. Well, they're definitely a, a, a middle team now in the playoff race in the West now. They're not thinking, you know, when you look at the fact that the Blazers are still up there, even with Damian Lillard's injury, the Suns are doing okay, you know, all things considered. The Grizz are 8-4, and four, right? The Mavs are 6-4, and four, right? All these teams that are surviving and doing a little bit more than this team really is. Denver, Memphis, Dallas, um, and I would even take Phoenix at this point. And Utah right now, apparently, because Utah's playing out of their mind. <laughs> yep. But all of those teams are above Golden State, um, not only in the playoff picture, but just like in terms of where their the, rosters are right now. The because Pelicans all, even. Yeah, because they're all developing, getting getting better, whereas they seem to be getting worse, unfortunately. Mm, it's not good. And, you know, hey, man, they were a dynasty. That's it, right? You can't be on top of the world, you know? The fact that there's the, the upper salary limit discussion happening, it's because Golden State pays $500 million plus dollars in luxury tax. And, you know, we saw the fruits of that. We saw the championship after championship, the glorious victories that they went through as a team. And this is unfortunately what happens at the end of a dynasty. You have your aging superstars, but nobody else is really around anymore. So Golden State, yeah, they're not what they're going to be anymore. Which is kind of funny, though, man, because, like, They've been talked about as this like team that was able to reset. I I remember last year like yeah. you know listening to Colin Coward like because he's a big California guy you know, bragging about how smart this team is. They were able to reload. They lost Kevin Durant. They loaded up on young players and still won another championship. And now they're going to be you know with Pool and Moody and Kaminga yeah. and Wiseman. They're going to be another dynasty. And I mm-hmm. I think. Another thing that really stunts player development is not playing in actual games in meaningful minutes. And so when you get top picks, like that's great, but they still have to play. They still have to be on the floor. James Wiseman has played what fifty games maybe. since high school? Maybe like maybe four years or so. Yeah, since high school, man. Yeah. Like he was drafted a couple years ago. He sat out that whole season at Memphis because of the whole tampering scandal with his recruitment. Um, Moses Moody didn't get any minutes last year. And if he did, it was at the end of games and, you know, scrub minutes. Same with Kaminga, you know, very, very few minutes. You need to keep playing these guys. They need to develop. And that's how they're like, it's kind of like how I see Scotty Barnes, like Scotty Barnes. We we now expect him to just be that go-to scorer, be, be Pascal Siakam. But he's never had to play that that role just yet, you know, in mm-hmm. the NBA. Last year he was awesome, but he was more in like filler minutes. Like he he would find the niche the team needed that night and yeah. he'd fill that role. Whereas like now we're being like, you control the ball, you be a point guard. And I'm man, I'm loving the handles, I'm loving the step backs, I'm loving his moves. It's just not quite there yet. 
which is fine, you know, but he's still young. That's why we still play him like this. And, like, you got to lower your expectations initially. Um, maybe Golden State, you know, because they have to play them so many minutes, they'll be good by the end of the year. I just, I don't see it. It's a tough team, right? And you think about how high up Golden State used to be, you know, and the Western Conference is a dangerous place. There's a lot of teams that are on the rise. Is there any other Western Conference teams that you want to bring up and discuss? Because, like, yeah, the Timberwolves are faltering, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of things here and there, but... Bro, Jazz got so much to give up (laughs) Rudy Gobert, and everybody, even you, man, I was... I did not like this trade, but then everything that I was reading, everybody is convincing me, oh, they're going to be a good regular season team, so I stuck to they're not going to be a good playoff team. But man, they might just not be a good team. Anthony Edwards just sitting there with his hands on his on his hips during a play, doesn't even move for the whole possession. Like, Carl Anthony Towns commenting on his Popeye's diet, like, D'Angelo Russell really regressing while he's while he's been there you know in minnesota they were supposed to be you know best friends minnesota d'angelo russell Carter, anthony towns nope (laughs) this team is like it's it's patchwork is what it is and they just gave up you know king's ransom for a player that doesn't move the needle and that's exactly what i said when it happened um and it's exactly what's proven to, to happen this is the main reason why we as raptors fans did not want the rudy gobert trade but like Man, I bet you want Jared Vanderbilt back now, Minnesota. Like, unfortunate as it has been, like, the the, the Twin Towers story over here has not worked for the Wolves. They've not figured it out. And whether that's egos dealing with Ant, whether that's egos, you know, it could be anything. There's, there's so much. But right now, what we've seen is it's not a successful experiment. And for what you gave up, as you said earlier, that's, that's not going to be good in the future. No, man, because, like, really, it was, like, this was their year to be, you know, a championship contender. This was, you know, probably going to be their best shot. Um, well, and, and, I, and I still remember, you know, thinking about it. Like, my biggest comment for Rudy Gobert was, how is he going to succeed in a new system, right? He's been with the Jazz. He's been the centerpiece of the way the Jazz plays basketball for years. So whether it's him having issues integrating, whether it's the team being able to integrate him into their squad like there's so many different ways you can look at it but the t-wolves time will tell if they're going to be in trouble in trouble or you know they might figure it out and have a super successful second half of the season yeah i mean again you know i'm talking like it's fait accompli and it's (laughs) only 10 games into the season out here so you know you, you like like um washington last year washington huge start they were number one team in the in the eastern conference they're playing out of their minds, but nobody really took them seriously. Um, that's kind of how I see Portland right now. Yep. Um, they're playing out of their minds. I think Shane Sharp needs to enter the dunk competition. That man can fly. Um, Canadian basketball getting really excited with yes, like sir. we got Shaden, we got Wiggins, we got Murray, we got Shea Gilgis, and like that's not even like mentioning all the young kids coming up and all of the you know auxiliary roster players that we have around the NBA. Um, Gotta love it, man. Absolutely. Love it. Okay, so let's look to the East now. Let's talk about the undisputed best team in the league right now with the undisputed best player, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 10-1, who started the season 9-0, who probably would be 11-0 right now if they were having Chris Middleton on the court because we can't forget that their second best player technically is not there. Oh, I mean, 
Giannis didn't play last night. Drew Holiday didn't play the other night. Um, <laughs> Javon Chris Carter Rosen had 36 play. points last night. And they, and they beat Oklahoma City. I, I mean, I guess, you know, Oklahoma City's not a great roster or anything, but they still got Shea. They still got Lou. Um, they still got some pieces, Josh Giddy. Um, but the fact that Milwaukee is doing so well, they've got to be the favorite to win the, the championship. Absolutely. And Giannis isn't even playing, like, the, the he's not even playing out of his mind. Like, he's... Just being Giannis, you know, he's averaging 30, 10, and 10, you know, just like he always does, or 10 and 6, whatever. Um, the guy's just a, a freak, and uh, that team is is easily... We've lost Matt here, but I'll, I'll keep going on. He'll join me in a sec. This team is wild. They're going to be so good... You know, there's always the narrative that teams are going to coast through the regular season, that they're just going to relax. Okay, Matt's back. Cool. I'm, I'm talking about how the the Giannis team is, you know, they're expected to coast, to relax, right? And for oh, a team yeah. that, the team that looks so casual and is in that state of, yeah, we're relaxing our way to the playoffs, for them to be getting the wins that they're getting is pretty epic. Man, it's... I said this at the beginning of the year. I thought they were the best team in the NBA, and I thought Giannis, I clearly think Giannis is the best player and it's not ah Luca's pushing man Luca's getting close I'll give Luca that um but yeah you know it's they're a fantastic team they're gonna be the, the class of the east they'll probably walk to the championship 5-1 series or 4-1 series at, at most I mean if Brooke Lopez can keep playing the way that he's been playing the man has been unreal 36% from three he's been getting over two blocks a game this team, people always think it's Giannis, 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 but Giannis is the best help defender in the NBA. So if you don't have static pillars of defense to work around, you can't abuse you know the potential of Giannis in the same way. And Brooke Lopez has come back with a vengeance and ready to go. So I'm I'm watching this Bucks team. I'm I don't think anyone has beaten them anytime soon. Nah, man, they're they're too strong, which is just just makes me happy, man. <laughs> it's it's a scary thing. Okay, so in the East, you know, there's not too much to talk about. Like we could discuss the 76ers' failings. You know, Harden's going to be out for another month, but I don't really I don't really care to talk about Philadelphia. So unless you're interested, we don't have to go there. No. But like you know, Boston's doing well. The Hawks are playing okay. The Cavs are doing great with Mitchell. Like the East is kind of exactly what we expected it to be, barring you know, Brooklyn falling apart and, you know, Philly having the troubles that they've had out of the gate. Yeah, I think, you know, and the Knicks have been better than we expected. But again, True. teams haven't played the full, you know, NBA lineup yet. So once they start getting into the full rhythm, once they played every single team, some some teams have had easier strength of schedule. You know, you're maybe the, the team that you're playing that's like a higher tier team, like the Milwaukee's, the Boston's are coming off back to backs and you get yeah. them on those kinds of nights. So... Um, it's still pretty early, um, but yeah, man, I, I think I've, I've really enjoyed the NBA season so far, but I really want to just talk about our Raptors, man, because talk about Jekyll and high performances, bro. Like, <laughs> come Ugh. on. That Philadelphia game I went to was so bad to watch. We were just, we were just so disengaged, and like, it was like that last night, man, for the the majority of the Rockets game last night, we were just disengaged. We just didn't care. And then, like, thank goodness we have way more talent than them because that's the only reason we won. It was a weird two weeks because it was two weeks because this guy was stuck in Banff climbing trees and forgot his power cable for his computer, like the, the dope moment. Anyways, it's been two weeks, and the Raptors have had some incredible wins. Like, 
the game against the Spurs and the Hawks, two blowouts to follow Bro, that 76 back game. Back. Yeah, yeah, it was unreal to see. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And especially, like, the Spurs, as much as we thought they were going to be awful this year, and as much as they don't have, uh, like, a top-notch player, the beautiful game of basketball is back in San Antonio. Absolutely. The, um, the, just the number of passes that they make before scoring a bucket, the the number of dump-offs, the, the, the motions, the movements, yep. this is... Greg Popovich at his finest. This it is such a cool team to watch, man. They have just been so yeah. fluid. Um, and then we we beat them by forty three. Yeah. Well, they're such a they're such a fun team because it's almost like every single player on that roster is like, well, we're all on the same like level. We're all got the same playing field. So like we're looking for the best shots, the best opportunities, rather than just being like, oh, it's your turn to shoot. Okay, yeah, go go get your buckets. You know what I mean? So yeah. Greg Popovich, man, you know, he's got the right kids under him right now, and this team is is a lot of fun. I, I've caught a couple of their games, a couple of quarters as well, outside of that, and it's, you know, you're tanking, yes, but it's a good time to be a Spurs fan. Oh, man, I, like, they're playing hard, they're playing to win, like, I don't think they have enough talent to, to win enough games in this league to win 30 games, but man, are they playing hard, and it's, it's really fun to watch, man. If... I honestly feel like our offense could use some of that. We have so many talented players, and yet it seems like it's that. It's the offense that you alluded to where it's you take your shot, I take my shot. You take your shot, I take my shot. And that is, it, it's so frustrating to watch as a Raptors fan because we have so many good players and we just don't go for the best play. And it's... And it's a combination of things, right? It's a combination of the team is very play-oriented, you know, running certain plays to get what you want. And it's some of the, the beautiful magic that we get to see is when that play fails and there's six seconds left on the clock and we get to see a little bit of a rush moment where the boys make it up and come up with something cool. But unfortunately with the Raptors, a lot of times that falls flat and we end up with a three-pointer that is contested that gets bricked down when, you know, the cuts we've seen from OG this season to get to the basket inside, like, there's a lot of opportunity and potential and without being the coaching staff ourselves, without knowing what their focus is, yeah, we can dream and we can want this and that because we do. Like when we see the ball movement in these forms with the Raptors, it's it's awesome. It's incredible. And we have the right talent. But I think that there's just too much of a box that, that our team gets stuck into and the creativity isn't allowed to flow out of it. Yeah, I think that like we kind of focus too much on threes. For some reason, we really, really, really want to hit threes. And, like, I get it. It's a three-point league. You, it, you know, it's good for the playoffs and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But I, there were multiple times last night in the Rockets game where we had a possession that we got multiple rebounds on and shot multiple open threes. Like, I'm talking, like, guys yeah. were wide open. Brick, brick, brick. Again, down the court, multiple rebounds, multiple open threes, brick, brick, brick. And it's like, guys, we're a two-point team. We're a bunch of six nine forwards. Get Let's in and dunk it. Crash the bucket. Let's pull a Scotty Barnes where he just absolutely backs that man down and then just one hand dunks it on Nikola Vucevic. Like that was that's the basketball I want to see from our team on a consistent basis. That should be our go-to play. That should be our, our driving force, especially when we're up in games, when we're trying to come back too as well, because twos 
are better than nothing at the end of the day. <laughs> and, like, unfortunately, we're not a three-point shooting team. That's just not what we are. We can hit them. We're not the, the lack of Siakam was missing against the Rockets. That is for sure. You know, him going down with his injury, with that groin injury, he's going to be at least two weeks as of, I guess, like six days ago now. So we'll see. He's probably going to be coming back at the end of November. But I've enjoyed watching the guys get to play that he has. Coloco getting the starts. Man had, what, six blocks in a game this week? Like, he's been Chicago, looking, baby. Yeah, he's been looking clean. We've been excited to see him play. And yes. He's a classic rookie big man. He gets fouls a lot because he's trying to figure out what to do with these giant seven-foot wingspan arms. Like, he's got some things to work on. But, man, does it feel good to have an interior presence again. Like, yes, we kind of had this with Serge. We kind of had this with Mark. But in reality, we haven't had defense and presence like this since JV days. So I've been really happy for Coloco and the run he's been getting. Man, well, I think, like, that Chicago game and that Chicago series is a testament to, like, kind of our season, right? On that Sunday night, we come out, we absolutely smoke them. Yeah. We look like it's not even a question who the better team is. Coloco is, you know, a monster inside. OG, Siakam, Fred, like, we are locking down DeRozan. They can't do anything on our home court. But when we were in Chicago, man, they adjusted. Yeah. And DeMar, as soon as he saw the double team, kicked. And... Every time we doubled him, he I think he had like four shot attempts into the third quarter at one mm -hmm. point. Like, it, like he was not shooting the ball because every time we were crashing to double and then he'd kick. Why don't I change the strategy, bro? <laughs> Why, Nick? Nick, I like you as a coach, man. I think, you know, you've done some really good things for our roster. You, we've won a championship with you. You need to coach better. Like, I, I've been frustrated watching some of the decisions that he's made. Now, maybe it's early. Maybe he's trying to, you know, feel out his roster a little bit Let's more help. and try to get a sense. But, like, there are some times where I'm like, you need to, like, pull that strategy. Because even, like, last night, why are we doubling anyone on the Rockets? Why? Reasonable. Who who on the Rockets besides Jalen Green do we need to double? And honestly, if we put OG Ananobi on Jalen Green, I'm sorry, we shouldn't need to double anyone. Or Scotty, and like that's the thing. Well, I'm Scotty's ankles hurt, so he's getting blown by a little bit right now. Uh, but OG for sure, man. Okay, let's let's talk about OG then. The leading steals leader in the league, uh, and if you DPOI, don't know, baby. he better be DPY. But I, I have to say, the man is averaging 3.1 steals a game through 12 games. Second place, Matt? 2.3 steals a game. Yeah. And if you don't know, it's Fred Van Vliet, by the way. So that's pretty sweet, pretty exciting. Yeah. But the man has gone off. You know what I mean? And to add to that, you know, because obviously the, the, the defense is big. He's shooting 40% from three this year on five attempts a game. You know, a lot of that, I think, has been skewed by this, you know, past couple of games without Siakam around. But this is, this is the step that we've wanted to see from OG. So, yes, it took a serious injury from our all-star caliber starting player to really get that out from him and we've seen more and more injuries show up but like this is raptors basketball this is what we're supposed to be when somebody goes down we have the players to step up and do what they do and og has shown that you know if our one and our two are down he can do it and that's what i like to see bro has been a monster defensively um he has like three steals a game, but they're, like, strip steals. Like, like the guy's just, like, straight up looking at him, and OG's like, give me that. Like, I'm just going to take this from you. Yep. Zero chance. Which is, like, the 
best play because he just immediately stops their offense and in transition going the other way for an easy fast break. Like it's just he's been so great on that end and I'm so happy to see his offensive game starting to flourish. Like last night I'm pretty sure he had like 25 points. Um he was hitting the threes. He's turned himself into a really great catch and three or catch and shoot three point shooter. Um it's just phenomenal to see, man. He's 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 showing us why we believe that he could be the next yep. coming of Kawhi Leonard, man. And Freddie and and uh, the boys just love to see it. So. The thing that the thing that really does it for me is you know we we have this conversation every few weeks when we're lucky to see it. It's it's the players on this team understanding their roles, irregardless of what their role is. It's understanding that. And you know OG's always wanted to come out and do more. He's wanted to have you know better handles, more of this. In the start of the season, we show that, once again, his handles are maybe not quite there. But he knows what he's extremely good at. And he has really leaned into that in the past two weeks, I think. And that has really allowed the best of OG to come in the forefront. And for us to be the best team that we're going to be right now, especially with the injuries we're dealing with, we need OG locked in and playing like he is. So how, how can you not be pumped for the guy? Absolutely. And he's he's finishing so much stronger than he used to. Yeah. Um, it's it's been unbelievable. Um he has at least one hard poster dunk a game now where I feel like it was very rare to see that from him. It was like maybe twice a season. It feels like it's once a game. He's coming in flying in hard and he's gonna dunk that ball. It doesn't matter who's in front of him, which you gotta love to see it, man. OG has been great. I've loved to see Coloco. You Bro, I called the Coloco pick like months in advance. I'm so pumped about this kid right now. Um, he's showing this amazing trajectory, you know, of a guy who just like like Siakam, who couldn't, you know, picked up basketball later in his life, and mm -hmm. you know, just all of a sudden it's this exponential takeoff. So, like, future's real bright, man. Future's he's, real bright. He's a smart kid who knows his his role and and what to play in, and it's he's the perfect guy, you know. I, I like to think of him not quite similar to like a Thad Young type of mentality, but the way that he thinks, I think, Roots. I look at I look at Thad versus the Rockets last night. I and mean, if you don't know this, the guy didn't have a point last night. I don't know if you've oh. read this stat line. Yeah, yeah. He, he was 0-3 with zero points. Eight rebounds, plus 24, highest plus minus of the Raptors on the floor. So once again, you see a guy who's coming off the bench who's doing all the intangibles to, you know, get his minutes and to be on the floor. And you don't just need to put up points. So I think Coloco has that mentality, but also has the ability to slam it down when it matters. Bro, Thad Young, uh, last night, I think was one of his best games as a Raptor. Absolutely. Uh, working the action through him is unbelievable because he's such a heady player. Um, great defensively, was a monster on the glass. Um, you know what, man? He had like a Dennis Rodman type game, right? Yeah. Where you don't need to score the ball to affect the game because you have your scores on your team, and that's not what you're paid to do for this for this franchise. What you're paid to do is play defense, to run actions, and to rebound. And man, did he! Oh, it was perfect yeah. last night. And Otto Porter Jr., man, with those back-to-back -back threes in the clutch Ugh. was just too nice, man. It was too nice. The the pass from uh, Scotty over two defenders, but Otto, man, making it look automatic. It, it just, makes that's what we so need happy. in the playoffs. Like, that is that is the exact player and the exact moment that we need in the playoffs. 
when when I made the comment in the offseason that the Otto Porter signing might be the biggest free agent signing the Raptors have made, it's because of that reason right there. It's because of what he provides for this roster, and I'm so glad to see him healthy and getting back to it. But Scotty Barnes, man, i got to bring up my most fun Scotty Barnes stat of the week, okay? We're going to take you all the way back to that game against the Hawks last Monday where, you know, Trey put up that crippled double in that loss. You know, it was a beautiful moment. But the coolest thing to me, Matt, was that 10 years to the day before this game, Kyle Lowry had his debut game for the Toronto Raptors. His stat line, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. That was Scotty's stat line on that game against the Hawks on Monday. From the old groat to the new, it's the craziest stat line, but I, I had to bring it up because it's the weirdest thing I've hey, read in the past two weeks. Honestly, um, he is the, the baby groat. And what I think has been disappointing for most Raptors fans, and it's, like for me specifically as well, is that he was so much of a better score than we anticipated coming into the league that we thought that it would just kind of pop this year. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what he's showing is what his scouting report actually portrayed about him. Um, that he does struggle to score the ball um, when he's being tasked as the main main creator and mm -hmm. main facilitator. That's fine. He's 21 years old. He's only going to get better. His handles have actually looked quite nice for what they were last year. The step-back threes, man, are actually looking pretty fire. Yep. Um, if he can get that consistently, he might become unstoppable, which is just, you know, perfect for Raptors fans. And he, no, he hasn't been amazing like we thought, but his season is not worse than it was last year. Probably about the same. Um, I think his energy is lower. Like, he doesn't have that, you know, rookie excitement for every single game. I'm sure he's dealing with that injury. He seems yeah. to be getting on the refs a little bit. Um, but, hey, man, it's still early. There's still plenty of time in the season. And I'm not worried about Scotty Barnes because he's too good at finding what we need and filling that role game in and game out that, like, he's going to eventually be a superstar. He, he's going to make it, right? You know, unfortunately, I mean, not for us, but unfortunately for him, we got Siakam on the roster. We got OG on the roster. We got Fred on the roster. We've got these guys who have established themselves in Toronto, and you can't just come into a place, you know, like OKC, like the Rockets, and be that star right off the bat, which on the one hand, maybe isn't good for him, but on the other hand, because we're the Toronto Raptors and we've proven what the capabilities and the ability to bring people up from wherever they were, it's a good thing, I think, for Scotty. And I think you look at the relationship that he and OG have created, because apparently they're like best friends which is yeah, amazing, yeah. and that makes me so happy because Scotty's going to continue to rise, and OG is still young and is also continuing to do what he's doing. So irregardless of what happens with Pascal and, and, and Fred and, you know, all the other things, like, those two guys alone get me amped for the future. And the fact that we're sitting 7-5, and five, you know, one game better than last year, like, you know, we're doing pretty good right now. Man, honestly... It, it's uh, it's a good start to the season. Uh, we've had our ups and downs. I, again, we're playing like that Jekyll and Hyde role with our team. Nick Nurse is still trying to figure it out, trying to feel it out. Um, got a shout out Banton last night. I think he was one of our best players off the bench. He had huge energy and, and got our team going when we were in a big hole. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to shout him out. But man, I, again, like I'm not too worried about this franchise. For us, it's all about the playoffs. Like we know we're a good roster. We know that we're going to, barring some kind of you know massive misfortune, be in the playoffs. So it's it's 
is our roster better equipped to win playoff basketball? And so that, that answer is not going to come until, you know, end of April, early May. Just is what it is. Right, and your comment about Banton is great because, you know, we're over here as Rats fans going, hey, Nick, you're going to need your bench. you got to start playing them more. Well, looks like Precious is going to miss at least five or six games. You know, I don't expect Pascal back to the end of this month. You know, Fred's... Let's give Fred games off, please. Let's give him some time off. Not we don't need him running forty minutes a game. Like since he's come back, Freddie's been an animal. Unreal. He, oh my goodness, he's been an animal. He didn't start the season hot, but bro's been on fire. I mean, well, he's he, looking like all star Freddie. So he had that like but we one, knew it was in him. Yeah, he had that like one for eleven game, and people were like, "Oh my god, that's happening!" And then he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go like five for eleven, six for eight, like seven for twelve on threes in my next few games." Like we're not worried about Fred. We just want him to play a little less so his, his knees can survive but like what i was saying is that like we're gonna see more band we're gonna see more auto we're gonna see more not precious but we're gonna see more boucher and we're gonna see more that like there is time and the fact that coloco is gonna be the starting center for the foreseeable future like that's only more beneficial for him to continue to work on his foul situation so like the next few weeks for us are going to be really interesting as raptors fans as we see kind of the meat and potatoes of what our squad really is and the nice thing on top of that is that apparently our schedule is going to be a little bit easier over the next little while. So, you know, I'm not going to complain against that. Hey, man, I mean, looking at OKC, Pacers, and Pistons, those are three of the quote-unquote worst teams in the NBA. And then, like, the Heat, 4-7 and seven at this point, they're not playing too well. Maybe we get a win there. Um, it's it's a good week, you know? I'm excited to watch some Raptors basketball. I'm excited to, to watch this OKC game on Friday, tomorrow night. Um, go make a prediction, bro. Oh, man. Well, I was doing a little bit of research trying to figure out where we were, and I think it's time, man. The Detroit Pistons, Dwayne Casey, look, it'll be game 99 between these franchises that's coming up this week on Monday. I think it's time to end, you know? Two seasons, or three seasons ago when we won our championship, we beat the Pistons in every game that year, and never since we've lost them all. So I think it's time for it to change. We're going to beat the Pistons this week, the end of an era, new age Raptors, please. Bro, like, locked in a loss right there. But Please. okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Lakers, man. Um, I think, you know, the Lakers, I think, have two or three games this week. They'll still be sitting at two wins come next Thursday. Just is what it is, especially without LeBron, bro. Oh, man, poor, poor, poor Lakers. But, yeah, we'll be back this time next week. I'll definitely be around. I'm not going on any trips. So, anything else, my friend, or shall we close out? No, man, you're good to wrap this up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, whatever you need, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.